White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. (laughs) All right, bro. Um... Man, you know, it's amazing how much nicer a weekend feels when Penn State has a comfortable, nay, dominant win. Well, it not only feels better, but we get to, like, think about the the bigger picture easier as far as, like, uh, you know, no one's talking about firing Franklin as much. No one's ta- screaming about benching Clifford <laughs> as much. Um, it's, it's such an emotional game as a fan, uh, emotional season as a fan. And after a convincing win, albeit that started a little slow in classic Clifford Franklin duo fashion, we sealed the deal against Indiana uh, on the road in a blustery day. Um, and it looked great. It looked great by the end. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of positive things to talk about um, coming out of that game. You know, we won't nitpick to the, you know, the maximum. Um, but Positive things are important with this team, uh, you know, moving forward in the both the, you know, the big picture moving into next season and the big picture of this season, too. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, definitely changes the whole character of the last three games, kind of getting that, you know, first win after the Ohio State loss taken care of. So we'll be talking about that Um, before we get into some of the other things we're going to talk about. uh, I note bro, that you are yet again in the upstairs back porch office of mom and dad's house. And uh, so, you know, how's your stay at Lewisburg been? And, you know, how much longer are you going to be on the East Coast before you're heading back to Colorado? would uh, be flying back to Denver today, but my whole house back in Denver has COVID right now. So I'm not I, I luckily didn't oh, it's buy like a quarantine it. zone. <laughs> yeah, I like and, and my whole house got COVID um, last year about this time too, and I was miserable with it. I was floored with it, and I I didn't enjoy that. So so I you know decided that it was within my best interest to to hang tight for a few more days and and try flying back to Colorado on Thursday. Um, so. Yeah, plans changed, but I'm chomping at the bit to get back to my my belongings and 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 some routine after uh, you know what is otherwise a, a wild outdoor adventurous year for me. And now I've been um, kind of cooped up here in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, enjoying a couple of Penn State home games, of course. Um, but you know, it's time to get home, and here I am, just kind of stuck um, in the past, so to speak, here in my prior <laughs> childhood bedroom. You've been reverting I mean, I, to like a I, childhood. <laughs> I sleep in our old bedroom, and and I record yeah. in my old bedroom. <laughs> so it, it's it, I'm ready for my adult bedroom to be back in my life. <laughs> oh, good times! Yeah. Um, Great oldies. Yeah, I, my uh, I was wondering, like, are, is Kate like? Does she wish you were there, or is she glad you're not there so you're not catching the disease? She would actually. Um, was the one who said you shouldn't come home and I was like all right you know like I I'm, I wasn't gonna say it you said it let's let's be smart here then because yeah let's just uh, being th- being that level of sick is not is not fun for anybody well I mean it, it's affecting the college football world too didn't like Texas A&M have like half their roster out sick they this didn't week say or it was like with that. COVID they did say flu but who knows which kind well, of whatever flu. some sort of illness um yeah they yeah. had a bunch of well, players out a bunch 
I mean, definitely there seems to be, you know, if it's not COVID like flu or RSV, like a lot of these respiratory illnesses are are, uh, sort of going around like crazy. Like, you know, our immune systems have been um, living the life of luxury the last few years with everyone sort of masked up and not exposed to the uh, these, you know, kind of normal uh, fall and winter. It'll be interesting to see how it affects like. You know, I mean, what what would happen if like during the game, Ohio State versus Michigan and like one team or both teams have like half their rosters out sick? Something tells me that those teams will find a way to roster their best players. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. Human growth hormone. I don't know why I think that white blood cells from a pig. We will give you whatever serum is required. Exactly. Yeah. um, But. Anyway, um, well, glad somehow you've escaped the uh, the bug. Um, both so of us, fun. man, we we remain at full strength since we've had COVID together while we were in New Mexico. That's true. Very good point. <laughs> we we but we inoculated each other. Correct. Um, so anyway, yeah, so we could have a very good uh, Blue and White Brother season. Well, here here we are. I mean, can you believe it? We're at sort of like the final quarter of the regular season, only three games left. It goes by so um, quick. It goes by so darn quick. We wait, we wait for what seems like the longest off season in the world, um, and 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 just goes by in the blink of an eye. It really does. Uh, you know, it's it's a different kind of football here at the tail end of the season. You know, the beginning of the season, it's all for the love of the game. Everything is warm and fuzzy and possibility is endless. Now we're talking about like things that are happening that like not only, you know, what's happening at Penn State and what are our possibilities. We already know, you know, most of the major goals are off the table, but maybe some other interesting, you know, uh, outcomes by the end of the season, like a 10-win season, maybe an interesting bowl game. Um, and so you start looking at some of these other games with a sense of how does this affect Penn State? So we're going to talk about our our news and notes with uh, with that in mind. We're going to get some 10-second takes. Oh, and by the uh, way, we'll also, by the way, when yeah. it comes to the, you know, you know, how we are looking at a 10-win season, looking at a 10-win season going into the Michigan game, it felt like a 10-win season was wholly unacceptable going into the mission game. Like you know, pre-mission game, pre-Ohio State game, a 10-win season felt like an utter disappointment. But a 10-win season, the way we looked at it going into the beginning of the season felt like what a victory. What a victory this would be if we could win 10 wins, get 10 wins this season. And and but now now that we've 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 settled out of the the froth of losing to Michigan, the froth of losing to Ohio State. And we had two victories after those games. It, we get to like look at it a little differently. And beating Indiana soundly was was very helpful um, to to just possibly extending you know our 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 more rational viewpoint on on what a ten win season would mean to this team. So you know we get to yeah, look, we get I to look. We're going to get into that when we yeah when we talk about the Indiana game a little yeah. bit um, and. Um, you know, certainly as we talk about the news and notes, which yeah. we're about to do here in a moment, um, you know, we'll have a little bit of that sort of angle on things. Um, we will talk about the Indiana game. We've got mailbag for you again. Two entries today, including a first-time mailbag entry. That's exciting. Um, so looking forward to that. And then we'll, yeah, right. Um, and then we'll talk about uh, the Maryland game, uh, which is upcoming. So. Uh, We've got a a lot to do, a lot to get through, and um, so let's get right to it. Without further ado, here are your news and notes. News 
and notes. <laughs> so, dude, we always dance got, to the um, ditties. We always did. We only dance to them, or I only dance to them while <laughs> after a, a, a win. I don't dance to them after we <laughs> lose. <true>. I don't. <laughs> well, we're dancing today. Um, yeah, I got got some uh, got some really interesting headlines. Uh, it was a really. Uh, kind of topsy-turvy, lots of excitement uh, in the college football world this weekend. And so um, we're going to hit some of those up, um, and then we'll also talk about the Big Ten. But here are your top 25. Um, bro, let's hear your take on, well, this headline. Number three, Georgia proves that they are top dog beating number one Tennessee in a comfortable 27-13 to 13 victory. I was drinking the Tennessee Kool-Aid going into this game, Andy. I really was. I was thinking their offense was rolling, and Georgia could not hang with that offense. And, man, did Georgia just step on that theory and opinion and just said no thank you to to anything that Tennessee was throwing at them until the end when it was kind of out of reach. So Georgia proves that they are, you know, I think the top dog, no pun intended, and they are the reigning national champs for a reason. All right. Uh, next headline. Uh, that was number two. That was number one and number three. Here's a, a game involving number four. Unranked Notre Dame dominates number four Clemson, taming the Tigers 35 to 14. This was a, in my estimation, a must win game for Marcus Freeman and that Notre Dame team to not drop to four losses on the season at this point. Clemson proving that they are still in need of a quarterback and they are not, you know, they may have been knocked out of college football playoff contention with that loss. Moving on. Um, another big game. Number 10 LSU shocks number six Alabama in an overtime thriller as they go for two in the first overtime to get a walk-off win, 31 to 32. I'm going to use a tangent here. Um, first of all, I don't like Brian Kelly. Um, I, I never have. Uh, but something about what he did in that game, going for two uh, in overtime for the walk-off win against Nick Saban in his first season in the SEC, his first season, um, you know, coaching LSU. It, there was something about that that made me, I was happy. I was like, uh, just happy to watch Nick Saban get knocked off for one. Um, but that what a ballsy call to do to go for that there. Like, it, it was just exciting to see a coach, you know, feeling confident. You know, and making a call. You know, I just I can't help but look at Franklin's, um, you know, resume of of work when it comes to in game decisions, and wish that I could point to one time where Franklin has made an in game decision like that, where he's in control, he's in command, he makes a decision that wins Penn State the game. That is a coaching decision that won them the game in a, you know, just blockbuster matchup. And and on top of all of that, um, and by the way, I, I'm gonna I have another thing that I want to bring up. But do you have anything to say to that? As you're a a, a prior Notre Dame, I'm sorry, prior Brian Kelly Notre Dame um, rooting interest because of I, your wife Eileen. Yeah, well, I'm with you on on Brian Kelly. I never really really cared for him. I mean, it's funny. Like one of the things that Eileen's dad was you know, constantly harping on when watching Notre Dame games was just how much he couldn't stand Brian Kelly. Right, like, right. even among fans, I'm not sure that he had a lot of, that Kelly himself had a lot of, uh, you know, fans. He never personally, but um, no, no, never. Um, and, I, you know, it's definitely the kind of call that it really 
looks great when it works out. Um, it worked out, you know. So I think if it had gone the other way, I, it's sort of, you sort of couldn't have blamed him. If if you're an LSU fan, I think oh, they, they would have been have really upset. They would have, that for but sure. um, you know, yeah, like you said, gutsy call. Uh, you know, the actual play call itself wasn't that phenomenal. It wasn't like a Philly special guaranteed. You know, two points if you make they the threw execution. It, to it was a, just a hitting the tight end in the flat. They threw it to defensive end Hall of Famer Jason Taylor's son, who was a, I believe, a true freshman tight end. Or I think he's a tight end. I, I I'm not 100 percent sure, but it, it was just exciting. It was just awesome to watch. I watched it um, all unfold. And and what's even more amazing to me is what and that's this that, that was one of two, you know, Notre Dame stormed the field after beating Clemson. Um and you know, LSU stormed the field after being Alabama. So to seeing these, you know, stadiums pouring onto the field is just such a wonderful thing to witness um when watching football. And you know what you never see? Can you tell me, can you recall one time in your whole life witnessing either in person or on television an NFL stadium rushing the field? One time. No, that's a great point. I I don't no. think I've ever have any memory of it. I mean, you know, this is the tangent I really wanted to bring up actually was just that like what's the, the beauty of college football are these, you know, overly impassioned fans. Overly impassioned. You have the, you have impassioned NFL fans, no doubt. Irrationally impassioned. Absolutely irrationally. <laughs> Look at us. We have a podcast, dude. What? Why do we have a podcast? You know, but like you know, a podcast with no sponsors. Podcast with no <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I mean, it's me and you, buddy. Like that's where I listen to this later. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, but it's just like it's just like for for as much um, as as football, the game is fun to watch. College football is just exciting to a. Uh, a high, high, like you know, multiplier um, compared to the NFL, and and a prime example of that is watching these crowds rush the field, and, and a big part of that is the students, you know, being alumni. That's obviously a big part of it, the hi history and tradition, um, and and the further we, you know, make this game, this sport, a business, the more we make it a business. You know, you'll you'll get a watered down version. It'll it maybe my you know, in a small level, it'll get watered down year to year, but it's gonna happen. Fifty years from now, you might not have people um caring about college football the way they do and have in in our our lifetime um especially when you factor in like that universities are just you know like people don't value a college degree to what they're they cost this the same anymore so it's just going to be interesting you know when i'm 80 or 90 years old will 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 it matter as much i don't know i don't know yeah the way that it's, it's going business wise you know, enjoy enjoy what what's there to enjoy while it's there to enjoy it i guess sure um sure. you know we've talked about that angle of college football before you know is it going to go the way of say Major League Baseball, which at one point was, you know, America's game. Everyone loved it. Everyone sort of stopped to watch the the big games. And, and you know, now it's kind of an, an afterthought because they've, they've sort of squeezed, you know, all of the, you know, the marketing. You can't even watch most of these baseball games 
Um, you know, Fox was gracious enough to put it on broadcast, but like, you know, unless I get my local cable package, I can't watch the Orioles. They're the hometown team. They're only on Mid-Atlantic Sports Network. Weird. You know, and uh, you're seeing some of this balkanization happening, you know, around broadcasting. You're seeing seeing it around, um, you know, the way the regional rivalries. Now, one thing that actually is interesting about, you know, the results this weekend is that like Clemson and Alabama both, like they got knocked off and like they're part of like the the major powers that have had a stranglehold the CFP blue the CFP blitz. in the last few yeah. years. Yeah. And so, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, in Ohio state losing last year to, to Michigan and Michigan kind of putting a team together that may be able to repeat that. It'll be interesting to see is like, are we seeing a sea change? And finally some of these, you know, blue bloods who for the last decade have just been, you know, the same three or four teams that have been there, that that will be good for the sport, you know? Yeah. And I think moving to the 12-team playoff will be good for the sport because you'll have more teams that are have a chance to be able to to get in the door and they don't have to have, you know, multi-billion dollars or whatever the the dollar figure is on the, on the program. Um, so <clears throat> how'd you so like I that think tangent? that's positive out of it. <laughs> that's it. How'd you like that tangent? That was a true tangent. It's a great tangent. All right, let's get back to it. Um, all right. Um, moving out of the top 10, but a couple other interesting games. Um, number 24, Texas flexes their muscles against Kansas State, beating the 13th ranked Wildcats 34 to 27. I mean, that is uh, the only if I if I if I remember correctly, that is the only team ranked above Penn State that lost uh, that that is in danger of falling below us um, in the in the rankings in the CFP. So we'll, we'll see. Our, I don't care about the game, you know, uh, as far as, te- you know, Texas is, you know, climbing back into relevancy a little bit um, and, and maybe challenging TCU next week, which we'll talk about here a little bit. But it, yeah, that's the only relevance to me in this game. Who cares about K-State? Get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Two other top 25 um, upsets to talk about. Unranked Kansas crushes the Cowboys 37 to 16, handing number 18 Oklahoma their second loss in a row. And also, Kansas becomes bowl eligible for the first time in 14 years with that win. It's really all about that last aspect there. Uh, you know, again, I'm not a big Big 12 fan at all. Uh, Kansas is whatever when it comes to football to me. But but the fact that that fan base gets to enjoy a bowl game for the first time in 14 years is that's exciting. I mean, that's 14 years you imagine growing up and being a teenager uh, at 14 years old and you've never seen your team play in a bowl game? That's That's got to suck. I mean, when you think about it, like your memory starts at four years old. Right. Like you have freshmen going into Kansas that have never seen them go to a exactly. bowl. Exactly. All right. Um, last one. Unranked Pitt puts the squeeze on number 20 Syracuse, keeping them out of the end zone for a 19 to 9 victory. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse is getting exposed here as a, a pretender uh, in a top 25. And as much as I I, I would have loved to have seen Syracuse beat Pitt, um, you know, it's just it is adding to the ACC kind of just there's no there's no Clemson being, you know, the, the top dog and losing there and not being in undefeated anymore. Basically, any other team, in the ACC that's ranked, it loses. It's hurting the conference. So, it, you know, Pitt did their job in making the ACC irrelevant yet again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, moving to the Big Ten. And of course, there are a couple of 
ranks teams playing in the Big Ten. Um, so uh, it'd be interesting to watch those teams continue the rest of the season. Um, here's what we had this past weekend. Number two, Ohio State gets the hurricane treatment from Northwestern, but manages to survive winning 21 to seven in an ugly windswept game. It's too much to ask anyone who's unranked to beat Ohio State. You know, there, there's it's just too much to ask. And Northwestern, you know, fought like heck to 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 get to get them there. Um, but I think it just goes to show you that uh, an emotional letdown happened for Ohio State. You know, and the and the weather played its part too. But CJ Stroud did not look very strong. Uh, you know, for four four straight quarters, he he had to use his legs to basically uh, get them to a comfortable two score victory. Moving on, number five, Michigan comes back from a 14 to 17 halftime deficit against Rutgers to crush the Scarlet Knights in Piscataway, 52 to 17. Rutgers beat themselves. Uh, they were winning, uh, like you said, at halftime. Um, you know, it was a beautiful first half, but, you know, as we know, one half does not make a whole, and the stronger team prevailed in the second half. Uh, it's too, again, too much to ask an unranked Rutgers team to beat uh, a top five Michigan. Michigan's legit. All right. Uh, here's probably the biggest result in the Big Ten this weekend. Um, the sputtering Spartans surprise the number 16 Illini beating the Big Ten West leaders 23 to 15 in a shocker. I just got to say here real quick, you know, as as Andy has crafted these um, little like <laughs> tongue twisters or, or whatever you want to call them, uh, you know, these nifty little headlines for headlines. Yeah, the nifty little headlines. And I I don't I have you know what i'm supposed to have 10 seconds to to retort some sort i don't have anything nifty to say back i'm literally <laughs> have prepared nothing and and so there's a contrast to what story Andy of your has life i have prepared I'm nothing <laughs> um you know and i'm okay with it it's just you know <laughs> so i'm the sputtering spartans here um so um you know illinois what what you you got to take care of business here man but but for the spartans that's just like if you're going to salvage any part of your season to have some sort of like something to hang your hat on for the rest of the year and moving into the offseason. Hey, at least you beat the number 16 Illinois here to ru ruin their um, undefeated Big Ten hopes, you know, so that's a big win for them, especially with all the suspensions they had and all the negative press they had that locker room obviously banded together and put put forth a, a solid effort against the the I don't know if they're pretenders yet or not they still could win the Big Ten West for all, all we know but yeah good good job by the Spartans and good good job um, by their coach uh, who's obviously grossly overpaid to get their their team to play <laughs> <laughs> that's the take we're looking for mm -hmm. took you a while but you you finally found I, it <clears throat> I like to talk can't help it um, all right, here we go. Uh, Minnesota overcomes a first, excuse me, try that again. Redo. Minnesota overcomes a <laughs> third, third time take. Is the charm. <laughs> Minnesota overcomes a first half shutout to beat the Cornhuskers, winning 20 to 13 on the strength of a two touchdown, 100 yard day from Mo Ibrahim. Mo Ibrahim, Mo Ibrahim is their 
he I think he's had like now 16 straight 100 yard games um maybe 17 uh or something like that uh without him Minnesota isn't winning nearly as many games um and the fact that they had to come from behind after a first half shutout I mean, what's going on over there in PJ Fleckville? His, his if they had lost that game, man, that would PJ Fleckville. <laughs> it, it would yeah. be a rough loss for them because I think that would have put them at um, four of four of five losses uh, in the last five games. So that was an important win for for Minnesota. All right, uh, down the home stretch, the Boilermakers are derailed by the Hawkeyes as Iowa puts on an offensive clinic. To beat Purdue 24-3. to I mean, what was once a good-looking victory for Penn State, what has happened to Purdue? They have now, they're 5-4, and four, and somehow still in the hunt for the Big Ten West. Let's move on. <laughs> I, I just have to add, oh, okay. the, the mascot for Purdue, which is an actual mechanical train right. that they drive onto the field, oh, I heard broke this. down <laughs> yeah. in the pregame. <laughs> In the just a perfect metaphor for what happened at a home game during the game. They happened. They lost. They didn't even score a touchdown at home. I mean, obviously Iowa's defense is legit there, but but in the category, in the category of the you had one job to do, right? The the guys who put that train together. It's it's interesting though. I mean, Uh, anyway, Manny's Manny D's defense in in just the the landscape of the Big Ten is not highly ranked at all. Um, And what did Purdue score on us? Thirty one, right? We went thirty five to thirty one, I think. And and they can't muster a single touchdown against Iowa. That's uh, it's interesting. All right, last one. Maryland is shell shocked by Wisconsin as the wounded Badgers beat the Terrapins twenty three to ten. Oh man! I mean, I'm happy. I I think I'm happy that Maryland is a, a wounded uh, turtle coming into Beaver Stadium next week, um, because that's what they were. They were turtles in this game. Barely couldn't didn't come out of their shells, um, and 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 couldn't move. You know, they weren't moving quick and weren't scoring often. And that I think that bodes well for for a Penn State team that is starting to you know gain some confidence coming out of a couple losses. All right, there's your 10-second takes, everyone. Um, you know, I wanted to, before we move into that um, upcoming, uh, excuse me, before we move into the recap of Indiana, I thought um, it might be interesting to think about in sort of the news and notes category. Like, where does this leave Penn State in terms of of the future? And, and you know, as we saw some interesting results that affected Penn State this past weekend, what are some of those like rooting interests that are, are coming up? So, um, and here's kind of what the stakes are right now. Um, there's a chance for Penn State to make a New Year's Six Bowl if we went out, maybe even the Rose Bowl if things break right, um, which I think the recipe is probably get two teams um, from the Big Ten in the college football playoff. Oh, it definitely Make is. sure that West... That West winner, that team's got to be bad and and you know not eligible for being the the next Big Ten team up, and then uh, some chaos around the country and the other conferences. Um, so I'm just going to throw out some some games maybe for us to be paying attention to this weekend that could have an impact on Penn State's outcome ultimately. Well, of course, still got to take care yeah, of business before, on our end. But before you do that, it just it, it goes. I don't. 
I might go without saying, but but I'll say it anyways. Uh, Clemson and Alabama losing made the Rose Bowl. Clemson losing, Alabama losing, Illinois losing, all that happening really made it a much more reasonably possible um, affair for Penn State to potentially make the Rose Bowl uh, as far as you know getting to. Um, Two Big Ten teams in the college football playoff, and and really we need we needed that chaos for that to be a, a, a reality. So so it kind of just those things happening are shifting the landscape of what these last three games mean for Penn State. And so with a little bit of help here that, uh, with some of these other games that we're interested in looking at, um, that's where we can really see some of that solidify for for a quality um, bowl game and a quality opponent even possibly. Yeah, so um, the first, uh, let's look at the noon slot, and there are two games, I think, of interest. Um, the first and probably most important is Purdue versus Illinois. This is really uh, a battle for the Big Ten West. I'm not an expert on this, but I think if Purdue beats Illinois in this one, they have the inside track to, to winning the Big Ten West. Yeah, I haven't looked at the the breakdown of the schedules for like who's was who's Wisconsin played, who has Iowa played, what's you know mathematically possible. Um, but uh, you might be right on that. And and either way, what we what we need is for Purdue to beat Illinois to really cement home the fact that the the Big Ten West contender is not a highly ranked team. So th- so whoever ends up going to that Big Ten uh, championship game from the West needs to be a lowly ranked or non-ranked team altogether. And Illinois might be knocked out of the CFP rankings with that loss. Um, it- it's very possible to an unranked Michigan State, bad Michigan State team. But really, the Purdue and Purdue being you know a team on our schedule, winning boosts our resume, even if it's somewhat you know, it's it's a piece of the puzzle for for Penn State to for all that to occur. So we're rooting for Purdue against Illinois next week. Also, because we don't yeah, want so get- we don't want Brett Bielema and Illinois somehow forming themselves into uh, you know a team of concern. Um, you know, I always kick them while they're down. <laughs> basically, is how I yeah. So like to think uh, of it. yeah, get that train back on the rails, Purdue and go Boilermakers. Um, <laughs> the other one that's happening at noon: um, LSU at Arkansas. Yeah, I mean Arkansas is coming off a tough loss, or, or I think they they lost this past week. I can't remember who who to, um, but they have four losses on the season, and and they were a top ten team at one point, if you recall. Um, along with they were ranked ahead of us. Um, I think we were maybe ninth, and they were eighth or tenth. We were tenth, and they were ninth. One of the two, and the, the, Arkansas had, you know. Uh, outside hopes of of winning a, a big or excuse me an SEC title. I don't know how realistic those were, but you know Arkansas had had aspirations. Um, so LSU coming off of a very emotional um, win, overtime emotional win, that is a game that could be a trap game for LSU. Um, you know, on the road uh, in Fayetteville. So Arkansas beating LSU, who's obviously going to be ranked ahead of us as a, the best two-loss team. Um, LSU losing would would help Penn State's chances uh, in the CFP standings, no doubt. By the way, um, that Arkansas loss um, was one of the games that I thought about putting in the 10-second takes. Oh, yeah. Even though... N- Neither team was ranked. Arkansas lost to Liberty this weekend. Oh right, that so twenty-one to nineteen. They're going to be motivated to to right the ship against a top ten um, LSU. They they are going. That's 
that's a that's a bad that's a bad loss and and i i suspect arkansas will um you know at least put forth a good foot against lsu and maybe they won't win but i think they'll be more competitive than they were against liberty and by the way hugh freeze is the head coach at liberty and that victory for liberty pl- firmly plants hugh freeze in the running for a lot of um head coaching jobs that will be coming available uh, as the the season concludes this year all right. Um, there's a 3:30 game of interest. Um, Alabama at Ole Miss. 3:30 CBS. We won't be watching that. Obviously, that's when Penn State's playing. Oh, I'll but. be watching it. I, I <laughs> always. I was watching the Tennessee Georgia game while I was watching the Penn State um, uh, Indiana game. I'm always running at least two games. You need focus. I need. You need to focus. No. Prioritize. No. Ch- James Franklin and Sean Clifford need to focus. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually better for me if I am a little less focused so that I'm not just like stewing and steaming and frothing at, during every second of the game. But yeah, that's that's going to be uh, also a very pivotal game because, you know, Ole Miss won, um, Alabama lost, obviously, but but the, it, I think that'll be a top 10 matchup. Uh, and maybe Ole Miss is at, at like 11 or 10 Um yeah, we'll we'll see where they're ranked in the CFP, but but that'll be a pivotal game as far as the 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 SEC race and where you know Penn State you know gets another team knocked out of their way of with two or three losses depending on who wins that game. By the way, I think Ole Miss had a bye week. Yeah, I'm not seeing them on the on the schedule. Yeah, they, and, did. they had a bye um, week, and and next week Alabama plays Austin P. <laughs> so another bye week for them, mm-hmm. but um. <laughs> Well, you're telling me Bama will um, be looking ahead to Austin P. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, but they might be licking their wounds from this this you know difficult loss, right? Absolutely. But if I know Nick, by the way, they're talking about Nick Saban possibly you know being like on the backslide of of it's, it's the 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 conversations around oh, that's just there's goofy. fans calling for him to resign. By the way. Like oh, you, oh. you. I mean, we we understand. They don't know misery. <laughs> exactly. Don't be a Penn State fan. <laughs> it's just laughable. Um, Paul Feinbaum said that um, Nick Saban wasted the careers of um, what's uh, Will Rob? Is it Will Will Robinson? What, what? Actually, I forget the guy's name. The um, Will Anderson, the defensive end who's supposed to be a top top draft pick, and and the Heisman Trophy winner from last year, Bryce Young. Paul Feinbaum came out and said that he wasted their careers. He wasted their careers, oh and 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 that wow. and that he, it, it was the fourth game in Nick Saban's career that he was out coached. And it's like, dude. First of all, Paul Feinbaum has never played a down of football or coached a down of football, and he gets to come out and say these things. And it's like Nick Saban has now, more national. Now there's title. a way, you know, <laughs> ten second takes that make you money. How, like you yeah. got to get your takes down. Yeah, so people pay you big money. He's a buffoon for that idiocy. Anyway, we got to move on. No um, real contact. So Dude, Nick Saban other games has had interest. more national titles. Nick Saban has had more national titles than he has games that he's been outcoached. It just is laughable. Go on. I'm. I get. I get heated about it. I've had three cups of coffee. We've got under your skin. <laughs> oh, fine. Bumps a joke. <laughs> All right. Two other games of note: uh, Washington at Oregon, seven p.m. on Fox. I mean, Oregon is has. 
tones of Penn State's 2016 season in terms of how they are maybe one of the hottest teams in the country right now. And and they, you know, much how Penn State had, much like how Penn State had that big blowout loss to Michigan, even though Michigan wasn't a top-ranked team, um, you know, they had a blowout loss to, to Georgia, and then they've run the table and just gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. And and they might be the hottest team, um, you know, coming out, coming out of the coming down the back stretch here, and they could backdoor their way in to the college football playoff. And even people are talking about Bo Nix being a Heisman Trophy contender. However, Washington is not to be taken lightly here. They are unranked uh, 7-2 and two team, and if Oregon's sleeping on them, Washington could beat them. Michael Penix, Jun- uh, Michael Penix Jr. is the leading passer in the country in yardage. And, you know, I, I don't know what Oregon's pass defense is like, but he could keep Washington in that game and maybe win it. Be on, be on the lookout for that, because if Oregon loses, that paves the way for USC um, to be the top-ranked um you know, team in in the Pac-12, and they might rematch, um, potentially rematch in the uh, Pac-12 title game. We'll see. Yeah, uh, one loss. Oregon right now only has a loss to Georgia, and um, exactly they've put together a really good campaign. And you know, that's going to be another one of those teams where you're just going to need to get them out of the way, one way or another. If uh, if you want Penn State to have the kind of season that that we'd like to have at this point, um, <clears throat> last one. Bro, uh, TCU at Texas, seven thirty on ABC. Well, you know, you'd you'd probably, and you're if you're a Penn State fan, you're just like, hey, everybody who's ranked ahead of us, they gotta lose, you know. But in this case, Andy, you made the case for TCU. Why? Well, I I don't know. I think you want like you want an obvious um, sort of fourth spot, and um, so that like. Because I guess why? TCU, if they were undefeated, they would be like the third spot. Because like Maryland and excuse me, Michigan and Ohio State are one of them are, is going to lose, and so you probably want like two or three undefeated teams, like Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, right. and then you're you're vying. Oh, who's the who's the best one? loss Michigan team? is the top ranked one loss team to a number one or number two Ohio State in a close game, then there's no, like, you know, back, back to o- Oregon's not going to, you know, with a, with a blowout yeah, loss actually, to Georgia. Actually, Oregon's probably the big threat because they lost to number one Georgia in the beginning yeah, of the season. Yeah, but they got blown out. Blown mm-hmm. out. So, so, so if Michigan's lone loss is in the Big Ten title game to a top-ranked Ohio State, that loss looks so much better than Oregon's. Either way, I think you're right that TCU beating Texas, a three-loss Texas, who is currently ranked 24th in the CFP before these CFP standings come out again this later this week. We're recording on Monday. Um, I think you're right. TCU going undefeated really gives the Big Ten the best chance of – of getting two teams in because because if TCU loses, then Michigan's there with a with a one loss TCU and a potentially a one loss Tennessee uh, who doesn't make the you know the SEC title game. But you know there's just too many one loss variables. Even Clemson, if they win out, is a one loss you know team sitting there potentially um, you know vying for that fourth spot. So it, it's um, 
It's it, I think it's beneficial for TCU to win out for for Penn State's hopes of winning or excuse me of getting to uh, the Rose Bowl and ultimately the Rose Bowl is the shiniest New Year's six New Year's six game for Penn State. I I don't think the the Orange Bowl would be uh, a, a game. I think uh, that would be you know it's still a great game, but I don't think it would service up the the same caliber of opponent in like a USC or Oregon. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I don't know. Just hoping for chaos and hoping for, <laughs> well, for, for, for two teams. It'll be the first time two Big Ten teams have ever made the playoff, by the way. So that's that would be significant. I think it would be very hard for it to happen without a significant amount of help. Well, all of that is um, occasioned by uh, the fact that Penn State just had a great dominating win this weekend against Indiana. Um, it didn't look like it from the first couple minutes for a second there. It seemed like, uh-oh. But, um, you know, turned on the afterburners. It was a great day to watch Penn State football. And um, not a lot of anxiety, just a lot of fun watching uh, the those young men go out there and have a great day. Um, bro, just tell me what you think that this win means. Not just that we won, but the way we won it, you know, at this point in Penn State season. You know, what are some of the takeaways you have just overall? We'll get into the specifics of the game, but, you know, just All right. what do you, so, what do you so see big, out of this team? Yeah. Um, big picture. I think a lot of fans are starting to crystallize this view of like, all right, Penn State is on back on track for a similar outcome of the 2019 season where Penn State seemed to be in a prime position for making a leap forward. But I think we're actually in a better position than we were in 2019. Um, and, and, and one of those reasons is because you know, Franklin has not, A, Franklin has not gotten the monkey off his back to, to, you know, winning the big games. Obviously, we're not, I'm not going to like, you know, beat that horse to death as we already have. Um, Lord knows I don't like to miss an opportunity to do so though. So, um, I am going to, I am going <laughs> to sidestep the opportunity to discuss the positive, um, you know, uh, nature of what we have seen coming out of those two losses against Michigan and Ohio State. Prior seasons, um, even dating back to Franklin's, you know, pre 2016 team, prior seasons of Franklin playing Ohio State, um, we have lo- we have looked bad after Ohio State losses. We have looked bad. We have we have almost lost to teams like, um, you know, Temple. We've almost lo- we we've lost to teams like Maryland. We've lost to teams like Michigan State. Um, so you, you know, coming out of the Michigan and Ohio State games, we were bracing ourselves for a, an emotional letdown for a, for a team that is flat and falling on its faces. We were prepared for that. And as we were skeptical for sure. Um, and thankfully this is the first time that Franklin has come off of major losses and looked like a team that, you know, righted the ship. Granted, slow, slowly out of the gate in the, the first quarters of each, the Minnesota and Indiana games, but, sealing the deal in the second third and fourth quarters and looking strong you know looking like they we've do- we dominated them in the final three quarters of of both the Minnesota and Indiana games and you know this was a bad weather game on the road it, it, you know 
I, it was just possible. Even even at the end of the first quarter, it's seven to seven, and Clifford throws an interception, and and you and you're let and you let the backup quarterback Tuttle, you know, do whatever he wants on his touchdown drive, and and was and was driving down the field to do so again when we had to intercept him. Um, and and it turned the tide really. Uh, so all this to say, I think that you know Franklin has gotten this team in the right space mentally um to to close out this season uh, i think that the 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 um the locker room is healthy it seems and the recruiting um is healthy the offensive line is looking good even with three backups playing um you know and and even with two linebackers going down on defense early in the game this team played Solid ball. I, I get it. It's Indiana. Where I'm like, remove the opponent. You know, Franklin's teams ha- have looked bad against bad opponents after bad losses. So this is a step in the right direction. Something we can point to as saying Franklin kind of got the monkey off his back, at least for this season, of not, you know, having losses or bad performances in bunches. Yeah, and be interesting to think about what's what's different this year. Um, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit as we. I can tell you right now. You know, talk about how this game played out. <laughs> um, you know, but um, it is I think interesting to note that you know the team we lost to Ohio State was playing a similar team in similar conditions. Yeah. in Northwestern, and did have that letdown game. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, they were, you know, biting their fingernails. If you're an Ohio state fan, you know, they're hoping doing that more they biting their fingernails. They're, they're angry. They're angry about what they yeah, saw. Throwing the, throwing the remote at the TV. Yeah. Kind of if thing. you're an Ohio I mean, state was, fan, uh, that is an abysmal performance. And meanwhile, Michigan coming off of their emotional game against Michigan state where, you know, eight Michigan state players are, are, um, you know, suspended following the or pending this investigation. You know, uh, you know Jim Harbaugh is all getting up and you know on the podium and calling out people and saying there's going to be arrests and things like this. You know, and then they went and slept walk through the first half against Rutgers. You know, mm-hmm. and you yeah. know, of course, they blew him out in the second second half. But um, it just goes to show you that even these two top five teams, both of whom we lost to. You know, they were susceptible to that letdown. And, um, you know, on that same kind of day with the same kind of factors, Penn State, I I think it's not insignificant that Penn State looked as good as they did, even granting that, you know, Indiana this year is just not a great team. They were already on their backup quarterback. We we knocked the backup out of the game and, you know, and had two other quarterbacks have to play against us, made two other quarterbacks look goofy. Yeah. You know, so, um, but you know, that's what you do, which what you need to do against an inferior team is that you, you know, you, you take it to them and close the door early. Um, and after the first quarter, that's exactly what Penn state did. Yeah. So I, I do want to talk about like on the, on the, on the heels of that, like sort of positive showing we do. It's, I just want to talk about that slow start. This is the third game in a row where Sean Clifford has had a first quarter interception. Um, it was seven, seven at the end of the first quarter. It's the, you know, third game in a row where the defense hasn't quite got their act together until, you know, partway through the second quarter. Yeah. So, you know, well, what does that say about the team that we're still starting slow? What does it say about the team that in the last three games we turned it on and actually played well going forward? Um, 
I think Franklin's teams are a, you know, run hot, just run hot and cold. I think that's what kind of happens. Uh, I don't know. I, it's tough to attribute what that is because we're not in the locker rooms. We're not We're not behind the scenes. Um, but it seems just whatever it is with this 1-0 mentality like, and just staying focused on Franklin's processes like there's there's no like he keeps he keeps his teams like seemingly like even keeled um so that nobody gets too high or too low but but it hasn't really panned out that way in terms of um flow with the team uh because like I just said yeah, they're, they're streaky point. they're streaky on how they start and how they finish and um what they look like week to week it's like a just a different you know it's just it's weird so I I, I uh I don't know. It's one thing to have that mantra of one and oh. Yeah. It's another thing to actually like live out that idea. And that seems to be what the, the teams don't actually do very well. Is because, you know, if that's intended to get you like locked in and focused on this game and this game alone and play every, you know, I think one of the other things he said is like, you know, five seconds at a time or whatever. You it's just like, got to play like, five yeah, it's seconds. It's like a five second mentality or something like that is, is another mantra of theirs. It, it doesn't play out that way. It hasn't. It hasn't yet. Uh, and and uh, I, it's tough to it's tough to point to why it really is. I I'm under the belief that um, the reason this team is different from the last two years is that the the young infusion of freshman and redshirt freshman talent playing significantly, especially true freshman talent playing significantly this season. I am on the belief that that is what's changing why this team feels different and how they've been performing better. Uh, And of course the offensive line play uh, when you, when you throw that into the mix, um, and really, just kind of to me, it's it's the, the the running backs, the 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 freshman running backs, take a lot of the pressure off of Sean Clifford, and because Sean Clifford has shown to be unbelievably streaky, um, and these guys, you know, right. when you remove the Northwestern fumbles, um, these guys have been the most consistent thing for our team by far this year. I mean. I, I don't know if we're trying to dive in how you want to break this down, but, but um, yeah, well, 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 like I think there's two things really that, that, you know, set this game apart or, or I, I should say like kind of sent it from being a, you know, lackluster game to being a run, runaway it's you know, dominating victory. One of those things was the dominating run game for sure. Uh, and the other one, I think, is the suffocating defense. And so I'd love to talk about both of those things. Um, and well, let's you just combine the two that of them. They are, that's I mean, complimentary football right there. It, I, I, it is. That, and speaking of things that Franklin always says, right? Complimentary. <laughs> complimentary which, football. Which is, you know, and in this game, they, you know, I don't know if it was the wind or just the flow of the running game or whatever, but like the recipe for success by and large in football is controlling the ball and getting and, and, and keeping your defense off the field. You know, like so if you have a suffocating defense that isn't remaining on the field uh, for on third and long and getting beaten third and long getting beaten third and long getting beat but you're you're I mean there were several times where the defense was just like sack or tackle for loss sack tackle for loss and just putting them back and back and back and into insurmountable third and longs and then you 
put on top of that, Catron Allen just churning out yardage at like a pretty inc- those. You know, he only had eighty. What was it eighty-eight yards? Eighty? What was it? Eighty-eight or eighty-six yards? Is eighty-eight? I think uh, he had eighty-six yards okay. on eighteen carries. Okay. Well, so. You know, and by the way, Singleton was not that much further behind him in yardage and carries. So these guys are getting a lot of a lot of play and a lot of yards. But the reason why it seemed like Catron Allen had more than eighty six yards rushing, it's because he had seventy two yards receiving, and both of those plays were excuse me seventy two yards receiving on two catches. But both of those catches were basically running plays. The one was a jet sweep where if. By the way, if Clifford had just handed him the ball instead of just he threw it like six inches in front of him to catch uh, to throw it to Catron Allen, yeah. so somehow that you know that's a pass and not a run, but that's a run, man. Um, and and he, I you know I forget how it was like twenty or thirty yards he caught on that. Um, and then the other one was a screen play. Uh, no, not even a screen play. This was a desperation desperation heave play to Catron Allen as Clifford is getting like. You know how Clifford gets in the pocket when when it starts collapsing on him at all. He just gets he panics and he basically pump faked. Yeah, it was an outlet in the flat, right? He was he pump faked three different times before he threw it at the last possible second to Katron Allen. It was it was a an ugly, I know it was like oh no this is gonna be bad. yeah it was a it was a Clifford oh no and by the way Katron <laughs> I don't know how many broken tackles this guy had on the day he was a beast on this particular pass play. He caught the ball while being like um, defended in the, in that moment. Like he and he shrugged the guy off instantly, and then went down the sideline. And man, just fun to watch this guy go. He doesn't have the top end speed of Singleton, but he just has a feel for the field. And and and. and he squeaks through um, between the tackles and is falling forward all the time. It's he's a he's a prettier runner between the tackles than he than Singleton is by by and large. And that's not to take a ton away from Singleton. Singleton actually started looking good in the second half of the game, which I think um, is thanks to Catron Allen wearing that defense down. But on the first half of the game, Singleton was getting tripped up, uh, you know, by the first guy by a shoestring plenty of times, which is I think the knock on Singleton so far. Um, but, it, you know, it, all that to say, these two freshmen are doing things for this team that we haven't seen quite like this in freshmen. True freshmen. I don't know when the last time we Look, saw true they, freshmen doing this like this. Two of them. The Penn State, the Penn State um, all-time record for rushing touchdown for a freshman is eight touchdowns yeah. held by Noah Kane. Yeah. Um, both Katron <laughs> Allen and Nick Singleton have eight touchdowns on the season. Yeah. Katron had Katron had uh, three touchdowns in this game and Singleton had one or two. Do you have two? One. One. He okay. had one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and mind you. So, so just go ahead. to your point, like these, these are very, very special running backs that, you know, we have not seen true freshmen like this. And we got two of them on the field right now at the same time. Um, just to put a point, uh, you know, explanation point exclamation point on uh, Katron Allen's performance. That that was 158 all-purpose yards by Allen yeah. on the day. And and so and that's, his career that's why it, like you said, it feels like it was, you know, he he had more than 86 yards um, rushing. Well, he, he had 158 yards. He contributed to the offense. Um, so that's, that's exceptional. Three rushing touchdowns, a lot of really, really tough yards. Um, 
Look, these guys. And by the way, that 45 yard pass play, yeah. that 45 yard pass play was the longest play from scrimmage on the day as well. So, Catron yeah. was a, a huge part of um, of the success of the day. And um, and like you said, Singleton, he got a lot more of his yards on the ground after um, the second half. And and Catron was was um, on the bench a little bit more. I'm sure getting a breather. And and yet he ran strong in the second half of the day. And um, so that was awesome too. I did catch Franklin saying um, <laughs> to Nick Singleton after he got kind of shoestring tackled. Yeah. Going through the hole. And you can see Franklin mouthing, stay on your feet, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, like that, he, that's, you know, that's, that's it's fine. It's obvious he's a true that freshman. he just needs to keep his, he's a true yeah. freshman. He's going to have a chance. To, if he can break that first tackle, if he can stay on his feet after the first touch or two, he's also going to, develop uh parts of his game and and with that breakaway speed it'll be interesting to see in Nick Singleton develop. They're going to they're going to keep feeding both these guys. I think it's clear that that Allen is the 1A right now and and probably will be moving forward for the rest of the season. Um and and Singleton is the 1B, but I mean 18 carries to 16 carries. Like they like these guys. They provide different elements to attacking a defense and they're going to keep feeding them. And and what's interesting um, is you know they've got four more games in them this season. We're obviously going to a bowl game. We got three more regular season games, and these freshmen have four more games to to add to their season tallies. Um, there is an outside chance here. It's not impossible that you know if both these guys continue on their touchdown trajectory um, based on what they've done so far, and if they each continue averaging uh, about 75 yards per game each, they'll both crest over a thousand yards on the season at, by by the end of the bowl game and they'll both be over 10 touchdowns apiece by the end of the bowl game. And if they do that, Andy, when was the last time Penn State had two 1,000 yard rushers on their on their team? I don't, can you think of a time? I mean, in some ways it, it, it rivals one of the best rushing performances uh, that we've ever witnessed when we watched, uh, you know, Larry Johnson Jr., um, you know, ru- run off 2,000 yards in one season. And, but it's like, instead of having one guy that does it, we have that split between two guys. I mean, I think he had like, you know, 2,000 yards and like 20-some touchdowns. And these two guys together are looking to have that kind of a season. It's pretty impressive. And, it, you know, it's... Yeah, and I think they're, they're, the value in that is that LJ was beat up by the end of that season. He he wasn't even he was not healthy entering the bowl game against Auburn, which is why we lost to Auburn, in my opinion, was because LJ was not effective with his ailments. And so you know you're splitting the 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 um, <laughs> all the the pain. Uh, of of a of a big yeah the wear and tear you're 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 spread loading that across two young guys and and these guys you know are are just that that it's it it's only going to make them more effective if they are both fresher and healthier by the second half of the season when um you know you're playing your 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 toughest games and your and your toughest opponents and the weather gets you know colder and it's more of a run um leaning uh game plan um so I'm, we're beating a dead horse here we're we're excited about these guys they're they're the real deal um and you know we we didn't see Kevon Lee yesterday we thought that he was going to be available but I, I think we'll see Kevon Lee back in the mix moving forward for the, these final three games too. So that'll that'll certainly help them in terms of you know not getting too worn down. 
Yeah, the other thing we saw uh, already alluded to and complementary to that great dominating run game was a suffocating defense. Uh, dude, we had 16 tackles for loss on the day. Like, if it seemed like we were in the backfield a lot, uh, there's your stat that says that's true. And in fact, uh, Penn State Sports Network or or you know Sports Service put out that that ties the single game record for Penn State. Um, the only other time we had 16 tackles for loss in a game was against Kent State in 2018. <laughs> so, um, so it's pretty significant. On top of that, we had six sacks, uh, another four quarterback hurries. Um, we just made the the life of the miserable the life of the quarterback pretty miserable all day. Um, just guys were, were, were creating chaos up and down uh, the line. Yeah. And their, it was their really, run really game was just abysmal. Um, Indiana's run game was non-existent by and large until uh, some of our backups started getting in on, on defense. Yeah. Only 65 yards on the day. Um, 34 carries, but <laughs> 1.9 yard per carry average. I mean, that's, you can't do that if you're going to be effective. And it just sort of enabled us to pin our ears back and go after that quarterback. By the way, do you know how many times we've held our opponents under 100 yards rushing this season? Um, Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty remarkable. Six times we've held opponents under 100 yards. Um, now, some don't seem like that crazy, you know, Purdue, Central Michigan. But um, it, it also includes Northwestern, who has Evan Hall, great running back. And uh, Ohio State, we kept them under 100 yards rushing. So, you know, I think this has been, uh, you know, outside of that Michigan game, which was just abysmal. Um, you know, if you kind of take a mulligan there, this has been a very, very stout run defense and it's, um, you know, been complimentary to that passing defense. That's, that's also been effective. Yeah. And not to, not to, uh, mention by the way that we had three interceptions on the day. Um, and one of those by true freshman denied Dennis Sutton, which was a critical, uh, in my opinion, critical interception where it looked like maybe, um, you know, the Indiana offense was going to go score again. Uh, and that totally shifted the tide, but also, um, you know, Kalen King got his first interception and Daquan Hardy got a really nice pick that he almost returned for a touchdown, if not for a shoestring tackle by a wide receiver before he was able to squirt in there. But um, it, it just is a, a good looking uh, defense, uh, you know, in, in general, a, a nice, a nice bounce back. Um, I think this is like just all momentum building kind of stuff for uh, we we have, have had a lot of players playing on defense, a lot of players playing on defense. Um, and we have um, our Abdul Carter number 11 is is just becoming more and more a staple as a true freshman in the national landscape of a, he's on a I think he's on a an all freshman like best freshman in the in the whole country watch list. Um, and it could be a fresh, I think in all likelihood could be a freshman all American. Um, so it's just, you know, we're, we're, we're rounding into form as far as, you know, again, not, not being one of the best two teams in the, in the conference, but solidifying ourselves as being the third best team in the conference right now. And, you know, if, if, if Penn state continues this trend and we go on and win 10, um, 10 regular season games and potentially an 11th, you realize that over the last two seasons, we've had 11 losses <laughs> and 11 wins. So 11 win season. Yeah. It just, I, it, there's a lot to take away from this, this season um, as being positive signs uh, after coming off, you know, two 
two really underwhelming uh, seasons, two really bad seasons. So, so the sky is not yeah, falling I mean, after the Michigan Ohio State losses. Um, in my, opinion. you mentioned Abdul Carter. Um, you know, we've been talking about the uh, two freshman running backs, and you know, so you get your ten regular wins, and again, that's an if we got a couple yeah, totally of important yeah. games coming yeah. up, but you know, you're doing it on the backs of a lot of young talent. That's what I'm saying. You know, and, you know, we, we're missing three starting offensive linemen. That was a sort of a patchwork offensive line. And yeah. yes, it's just Indiana, but they looked good. They, you know, they allowed the offense to rack up 483 yards on the day, you know? Um, but part of that freshman uh, yeah. talent yeah. waiting in the wings is the last thing I we think we need to talk about of the day is the performance of Drew Aller, um, who came in midway through the third quarter and got to run the offense for you know a good portion of the day. Um, you know, uh, obviously Indiana shutting things down in the fourth quarter. Penn State's got a bunch of second and third stringers in by the third and fourth quarter. But nonetheless, Drew Aller looked really good back there. I, I would think it's the best look we've had at him all season, um, particularly as a passer. And um, he started, uh, I should say, he finished today 9 of 12 on passing with uh, 75 yards total and two touchdowns. By the way, he had both of Penn State's pa- – Penn State only had two passing well, touchdowns. It, yes, you're correct about that. Both. I don't want to take away from – Sean had a beautiful touchdown pass to Theo Johnson that Theo dropped. Um, so, Fair enough. So let's not forget that. That was dropped. Um, Fair enough. And, but other than that – Andy, Drew Alar and uh, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, those are three true freshmen, and they were all the reasons for all of Penn State's touchdowns in this game. That's pretty remarkable. Oh, wow. That's pretty remarkable. That's a, I hadn't really thought of it that way. That's, that is incredible. Um, and, you know, Aller, he just, again, as we've said before, he looked comfortable in the pocket. He manipulated the pocket well. He... He really only had, I think, one pass that looked like it was way off the mark. He had a couple of really, really beautiful throws. Um, one to Liam Clifford that um, you know got a big gain, um, and then you know the the touchdown pass to Trey Wallace, where he is rolling to his right and and just threaded the needle on just a beautiful pass. It's a kind of you know pass you would expect to see from someone like you know, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, honestly, um, that, you know, if that wasn't just a lucky throw, and this is part of the type of arm talent that Drew Aller brings to the table, Penn State's got a lot of interesting um, games ahead of them well, let's put Drew it, Aller at the Let's helm. put it this way. Aller has done nothing to make us believe he has a ton of room to, to, to like make up like he like he's not out there just like lost at all. He's not out there looking, you know, um he's not lacking confidence out there. He's to make those throws he made on the run, uh you know, uh, like running towards the side he's throwing to. Um those are not that's those are talented throws. That you can see that that's a a talented quarterback there and he's just not showing reasons for not starting him basically is what I'm trying to say. And I'm not, I don't think that that we're at this point where it's like, you know, we have to start Aller, but we are, I do feel we are approaching this point where we're, where the conversation could be leaning towards Aller deserves a little bit more, 
of a of a, a stage here. Um, I understand that Clifford is going to get the start in every game moving forward until the, uh, through the bowl game, uh, barring injury. And I'm not suggesting I want to see Sean Clifford get injured. Um, that's not what I'm saying, and that's not what I'm hoping for. But I just believe that you got to like get this kid some more reps. We really got to see him have to. Uh, make some of these throws against, um, you know, with a, with a pressure is a little bit greater when the competition isn't, you know, in a, after a blowout already in the making, we just kind of got to see it a little bit more. We just, it, it, he's deserving of it. I think at this point, you know, Clifford was 15 of 23 on the day. Uh, that's 65% completion rate, which is pretty darn good. And that's what it should um, be threw, with a good running attack, by the way, <laughs> he, he threw for 229 yards. Um, but I gotta say he, I felt like he looked shaky most of the day. Yeah. I don't disagree. He, he had a couple of, uh, passes where his receivers really bailed him out. Like Brenton strange oh, yeah. had that one catch where he oh, like caught totally. it on the back of the receiver and Clifford threw it basically directly to the guy in the red shirt. Yeah. Who would have easily intercepted it if he'd just been looking? And Brenton Strange somehow picks it off his Tin, back. Tinsley made he had a, a couple, couple of other passes. Tinsley made a couple of really incredible passes, absolutely acrobatic catches that were just not. I mean, and you expect your receivers to make great catches, but I don't think that Clifford looked good in those throws. Well, that interception he threw, while yes, it was tipped. The reason it was tipped was because. It was thrown poorly to Brenton Strange, and Brenton Strange had to. There were two players. Uh, there were two Indiana defenders right there. He was a double covered. It was thrown receiver. behind him. He's twisting his body yep. to yep. try to get his hands on it. So, you know, it, I and just, by the way, I there was a there wide were, open receiver ten yards downfield from from Brenton Strange, a wide open wide receiver. So, so he still has decision making issues and accuracy issues that have not. They just haven't been shored up, and and you know. So again, to your to your point, like, I mean, while it seems unlikely that you're going to see Drew Aller starting a, a game barring injury, I I still feel like every time you take a look at Drew Aller, he looks better than Clifford. Yeah, he really does. He's never he's never given you any looks that are like, oh, he's a, that's why he's not starting, or oh, you know, that's he, that's a freshman's mistake. I think it's so, I think they're actually do, playing this right. To be honest with you, I think they're playing this yeah, right. I'm not criticizing the call. I'm just saying like. The more we see of Aller, the the better he looks, and the more like you're like, when are you going to give this guy a shot? You know, when are you going to give this guy a chance to get out there and and really all this to really say, all this to, to say that that we um we do want to see more of Aller, um, but Cl- uh, Clifford, you know, he's going to start the rest of the way, and that means um you know he's going to be amassing some more statistics moving forward. So so what do you got for us? Yeah, there? he's only 16 yards away from surpassing Trace McSorley as the school's career passing leader. He just passed um, Chad Henney for like eighth all time passing in the Big Ten. Um, so no, he's, yeah, se- he's, got he's seven more games. He's I think he'll be seventh. All, I think he is seventh all time in the Big Ten in uh, total passing yards as of right now. So, you know, he's going to be climbing up leaderboards, especially with another three games left to play and potentially a bowl game. You know, if he just hits 200 yards in each of those games, that's like another 800 yards passing. And yeah, he's he's going to he's going to make some waves in the record books for sure. Um, it's interesting that like 
you know, as he keeps racking up the wins and the yards, you're still sitting here thinking, but boy, what I'd really love to see is Drew Aller. And again, I think that bodes well, if nothing else, it bodes well for next year to have a lot of young talent that have a lot of game experience. And if we can put a, you know, above average offensive line in front of them, uh, you know, Next year could be a year. Next yeah. year could be a real, yeah, and a these real next, interesting year. These next three games, um, you know, we're, we're, it'll be interesting to see how like we utilize the younger talent. Um, Franklin definitely doesn't want to burn red shirts where he doesn't need to at this point. So hopefully everybody stays healthy. Hopefully Olu uh, Fashanu comes back at left tackle so we don't have to burn um, – Drew Shelton's um, red shirt because I think he's at three games right now because he had to start. That was the fourth true freshman to gain a start this year with Drew Shelton starting in place of Olu Fashanu, by the way. Uh, and with Olu Fashanu garnering um, top ten, top five draft status uh, projections, we we really want to squeeze out everything we can out of him before he potentially leaves. Um, so so hopefully Drew Shelton doesn't need to burn his red shirt because because the extra um, bowl game practices are going to do wonders for all these uh, true freshman guys, you know. And and so it'll be interesting to see how we how we utilize our red shirt freshmen and true freshmen the rest of the season in these last three four games. Well, I think we probably have talked as much about Indiana as we probably can. Um, let's go ahead and take a shift and uh, turn to the mailbag and check out those two entries we have. Mailbag time. All right. Like we said, uh, two entries today. Um, we're going to start with uh, a question that points back to that Indiana game. Um, and so, bro, here is your mailbag question. This is from JB. He says, I know it was lowly Indiana, but it was good to see a dominant win this week. Again, it seems like the team didn't string together four complete quarters, in particular the first quarter on Saturday, which brings me to, would you rather? Would you rather, bro, have a, quote, first half team that jumps out to early leads, but does not make adjustments well in the second half, or have a second half team that generally struggles in the first half, but makes adjustments in the second. Well, since I have a clear example of what a second half team looks like <laughs> and what it has done for us, I ha- I'm gonna have to say, you know, you want to close a game strong rather than than um, you know start strong and fizzle out every game. Uh, I'm 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 firmly in the uh, camp of a second half team um, that makes adjustments uh, and and wins decisively in the end. That's I think, you know, the second half is really where it matters most by and large in in football. If you can make the adjustments, you can win this, the second half. You can close the game with the ball and the momentum and that's you know a team that's losing all its steam in the second half you, you can get you know <laughs> you can get trucked you can get a, this can be a um a downhill you know freight train coming at you in the second half if you're only a first half team so I, i'm taking the yeah, second I, half team for sure i think in theory I, I agree with you as well um i guess it depends on how how, how bad you lose the first half yeah. Right. Like the, in the Michigan game, for example, you know, it's like um, it was even on the scoreboard, but like we were getting pummeled in the trenches and then the dam burst. Holding on you know, for dear I, life is not a good look. Agreed. I'd rather finish agreed. strong. Closing games out with strength is a much better yes. feel leaving the field. 
100%. I agree with you. Um, caveat, I would just love to see a full four-quarter oh, performance. Oh, really? I don't, we have, <laughs> Regularly. I, and again, I, you know, I, I guess barring the uh, maybe the Auburn game, I don't think we've had a... Was, was it, and by the way, was the Auburn game even a four-quarter game? Like, did we... I mean, the game was over by the third end of the third quarter, so... Right. You know, I, I think it was a four. I mean, we, we played three quarters strong. There was there was never really a moment like from the when we took the field that uh, it just seemed like we were we were out in left field, you know, and by the time by the time the score was the way it was, it was like everyone it was 14 to six at the at the half. By the way, uh, I, I think that that you know that kind of feels like a second half team, right? <laughs> seven. We scored twenty seven. Seven. We scored seventeen in the third quarter and ten in the fourth quarter, where they only scored. Um, I think they scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter, but uh, they either missed the extra point or went for two. I can't recall exactly what happened. Um, yeah, th- I mean that that feels like that strong finish that you're talking about. Like the, sure, you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You play yeah. well in the first half, right? You yeah. play well. You don't put yourself in a hole. Yeah. Um, and then you make adjustments and then just really, you know, put, hit the afterburners. Uh, so, yeah, second half team. Thanks, JB. Thanks, Good JB. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's a second one. And this is from Rudy Glocker. And he's come up on the podcast a number of times because um, he's the guy who has, uh, you know, given us the tickets to go see the last two whiteout games. And uh, he, Decided to write in, and he's also joining in uh, with the uh, Joel Bettner formula in a would you rather, all right? And this gets to what we were just talking about here um, at the tail end of the Indiana game. Fellas, would you rather have Drew Aller play every meaningful snap at QB for the next three games and win two of three, or would you rather have Clifford play every meaningful down and win all three? It's a good question, um, and especially the way Indiana, the Indiana game shook out, it complicates how I would have answered this if you had asked me this after the Ohio State loss or even after the Michigan loss. Uh, I was calling for Aller to start leading into the Michigan game after our Northwestern game, by the way, <laughs> in our bye week episode. Yeah. I, I was calling for an Aller mm-hmm. switch for sure. And I still maintain, I, I feel like that switch should have happened then. I still maintain that. Um, but here we are and things are different uh, and we are staring down the barrel of a 10 to 11 win season. And, you know, it, and now if you, I guess the, it, the question is what define me every meaningful. So is it, right. so was this last week? Was that, was all Clifford every meaningful? Is that cause I will, yes, I agree. I would say so. I agree. Um, so even if, though he got tons of playing time, you know, the game was already won by the time. he. Came so in. the question is, can Penn state win these next three games while giving Clifford every meaningful snap, but still giving Aller like an, at least an entire quarter of work. Because that's essentially what happened in, in this game. He he got like essentially the whole fourth quarter, right? Yeah, and half the third. Oh, did he? Okay, so that, see yeah. if we can give Aller that kind of a um, a workload in these last three games, then I am totally okay with Clifford starting every every game and getting every meaningful snap with Aller getting a quarter and a half of work. I'm okay with that. Like I, I, that's a fair trade off to me with winning every game. And, and, you know, losing one of these last three games, um, I mean, God forbid we lose to Rutgers with Drew Aller starting, you know, 
I, I mean, who knows? <laughs> right? So <laughs> that's a that's a stain. Um, so I'll take the surefire wins right now, uh, and you know, in that in that example, I also I also wonder what does that mean for the bowl game. Really, like, yeah, interesting. What do you do? Yep. You get, do you just say, "Hey, Sean Clifford, you know, you'll, we'll give you the first half, and then we're giving the second half to." Because remember, Saquon Barkley played, um, what like the first quarter and se- and some of the second quarter in that um, was it the Fiesta Bowl we played um, with uh, against Washington? Right. Was that the right. Fiesta Bowl? They shut him down at, at halftime, basically. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he, his play w- was important. Uh, and then they they just let Miles Sanders play the rest of the game. Um, so maybe they'll do that kind of a thing. Uh, granted, it's not because Sean Clifford has the NFL to worry about so much, as that's what Saquon was you know, worried about, was getting injured before the draft. That's why we benched him. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see how how what we do for these next three games how that correlates to to playing time in the bowl game you know what i mean i mean i think at this point uh, you know rudy's premise we want to win the next three it we i think that's a really significant goal at this yeah. point i'm not sure if i agree with his premise that that clifford is the guy who will win you those three like he might be the guy that loses you one of those I don't three, think he's making the by- claim that Clifford is the guy <laughs> that's going to win us all three. I think he's just saying that's in this scenario, which would, which would you yeah. choose? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, I think at this point, well, Andy, because of the way the college football uh, landscape is playing out, winning these next three games, it's that one and no mentality. It is important. Gosh, it is important. There we are at, the, at you know, at, at this point though, I would say, after that Indiana game and the way everything else is shaking out, yeah, get your ten wins. Go to a New York Six Bowl. Well, what if, and what do what you got to do to get there? If Clifford's the guy that gets you there, then then sure, let's let's what make it happen. Been hearing? I guess I'm concerned. I'm still concerned about the coin flip. You know, when you're in a tough game against, say, Maryland or Michigan State, two tough teams. You know, with you know guys that have talent. And if Clifford has a bad game, like we could drop one of those games pretty easily by the mistakes that he tends to make. So again, I mean, if we'll go with Rudy's premise and we know that starting Clifford's gets us those three wins, I'll say go ahead. I may do it. I'm a devil's advocate guy. Even if even if I'm the championing the Drew Aller starting uh, train hype train, I'm I'm still a devil's advocate guy because I I think it's important to to always be looking at all sides. But so what have we been hearing from Franklin for the last several weeks? Um, we've been hearing, hey, um, I, I'm going to go with the guy that gives us the best chance to win. And I yeah. I'm, I think it's becoming clear that the reason, whether we believe it or not, the reason that they keep going back to Clifford is Clifford knows how to run the offense from situation to situation, given whatever the defense is showing. I think that they value that pre-snap aspect of Sean Clifford above how mm. Drew Aller yeah. is doing it in practice. I think that's obvious. Even though the post-snap play by Clifford hey, leaves a lot to be desired. And they and feel that's the where trade-off Aller is seems worth to it. really shine. They feel the trade-off that's is where worth Aller it. seems to shine. I will say you did get a sense in the you know 20 minutes or so we saw Aller on the field. He really did seem to be doing the pre-snap work 
you know, calling out protections and and that kind of thing. And 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 you know, again, it's Indiana, so take what you will. But it seemed like he. I know nothing about major college football quarterbacking, by the way. So right, you just I'm just saying by the results on the field, Aller seemed to do very well on that. And um, so who knows? Like m- maybe Aller is maybe it's, that's what they're doing. By the way, with with getting him these extra reps is like giving him game experience where he can do this kind of stuff until they can feel comfortable that his post snap skills can you know carry over you know, get over the hump, you know? So, you know, at this point, yeah, I'd say start the guy that wins you the game. If that's Clifford, so be it. But, you know, the second Clifford loses you the game or or threatens the game with, with the, you know, poor play or um, errors, I'd say, gosh, give it to the freshman to see if he can turn it around. That's what I'd like. The to last say. thing I'll but, say before um, we before we move on, uh, and we do need to move on, um, is that <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, uh, Franklin came out and um, said to the media that they discussed b- being on the same page about the quarterback position and the who who they're starting and who they're playing um, re- with regard to Drew Aller and and Sean Clifford and. You know, he said that the reason he people were like, oh, my gosh, well, if you're having these discussions amongst your you know, coaching staff and your analysts and all that, like like obviously you think Clifford isn't your guy, you know, and, and Franklin's like, no, he's like, I just wanted to make sure that everybody was on the same page with me about this. He's like. Um, so, so essentially just, you know, he wanted to evaluate that, that all his, that his entire staff felt the same way that he did because he felt maybe, maybe I'm just a little too close to this. And as it turns out, the rest of the coaching staff felt completely the same exact way as Franklin. And we're talking about guys like Ken Wisenhunt, former, you know, NFL offensive coordinator, former um, NFL head coach. We're talking about Danny O'Brien, former, um, you know, Maryland starting quarterback. We're talking about Mike Yurcich and a handful of other guys that are, are not dumb people when it comes to the game of football and evaluating the quarterback position. So, you know, he was just ensuring that he was on the same page with the rest of his staff about who who is who gives him the best chance to win. Yeah, well, um, honestly, like like we were saying, at the beginning of the season, to get 10 wins would have just felt like, you know, what has gone right to allow that to happen yeah. all season. And, you know, we're on the cusp of that, even though we dropped two difficult games against, you know, our, our chief rivals. But nonetheless, top five teams at Penn State, clearly not quite there yet. But to get that ten win season, and if you if Sean Clifford gets you there, I think uh, at this point you got to stick with him. Uh, I would have him on a short leash personally, but uh, Rudy, uh, thanks for that question. Obviously, spurred an interesting conversation, and um, with that, let's let's go ahead and take the home stretch and talk about this upcoming Maryland game, um, one of our remaining three games. You know, by record alone, it's our best remaining game, or, or I should say, the best remaining opponent. Yeah, um, and an East, a big East. Maryland's only lost three games up to this. Yeah, uh, up to this point. You know, the the worst one being the Wisconsin game that they just dropped. Um, yeah, but uh, you know they're having a pretty decent season, and um, Mike Loxley, Mike Loxley, who's been their coach since uh, 2018, um, this is his fourth season. Um, he's got them playing pretty well, and he's got a, a couple of talented 
players um, that that are running their offense and their defense. Um, it should be an interesting game. Uh, this one will be at home. I'm really glad that it's a home game. It's going to be a 3:30 game. I'm glad it's not a noon game. It will be on Fox. Well, the World so, Series is um, over, so you know we get to <laughs> yeah, the games whenever you want now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I think this lines up well to have some advantages heading Penn State's way, especially Penn State coming off of a strong win, Maryland coming off of a demoralizing loss. Um, but, um, as I was saying, uh, Maryland is uh, six and three on the year. They're three and three in the conference, just behind Penn State in the East division standings. And, you know, this is a game of some consequence for both teams in terms of, of, of what the season is going to look like from here on out. I, I mean, I think you're right. It's you know, big big East, uh, you know, division. Um, we share a border with these guys. We share recruiting, uh, um, you know, grounds with these guys. Um, we got Chop Robinson from these guys. There's there's re- oh yeah. There's reasons this <laughs> this game matters to to Penn State. Um, and reasons certainly reasons this game matters to to Maryland. Um, you know they're fighting for relevancy in the conference every year. Uh, it's it's not easy being Maryland. Um, it's not easy being Mike Loxley. It's not easy being Talia Tagovailoa. So they're they're looking for a statement win right now. They and they they've come close against. Um, Teams like Michigan, so uh, it was it was a little embarrassing for them this this past week to to get um, embarrassed the way they did without you know Tua didn't go over 100 yards passing. In fact, he was at 30 yards passing for the majority of that game. Um, Yikes! So it, it, it's it's. Uh, it, it, this is important for them to, to to show out, and you know they're they're now a three loss team. If they win out, and I'm not saying they they will, but if they win out, a nine and three regular season campaign is a win for them. That is a big deal for them. Um, so it, they have the ability, they have the talent. Uh, they have they are injured a, a, a lot, um, so it's not going to be it's an uphill battle for them. But um, you know, I think with the way that. Penn State uh, is coming off of this Indiana win, coming home to playing Maryland. Um, I think this is a, a way for Penn State to to kind of like solidify that that they are the the, thir- the third best team in the conference, even more so against a better opponent than Indiana. Um, so so it's it's a it's it can be this can be a statement game for 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 this big or excuse me for this Penn State team to say okay this is the last you know best team the last most talented team on our schedule the last best record team on our schedule what can you do show it to us what can you do Sean Clifford in you know a state uh, one, one of your this is one of the these seniors and this this quarterbacks one of their last chances um to play in Beaver Stadium you know it's their second what is the Michigan State's uh, game is at home correct so this yeah, is their, their second, second to last home second game. to last home game for Sean Clifford and and I think that's going to matter. I think I think they're going to be thinking about that as far as let's put together a you know a decisive performance. I look to this game as being, can you show us a, a four quarter game? I look to this game for that. So um, and Maryland will present its challenges for sure. So it, it's going to be a you good know, game. You- you talked about like kind of the 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 stakes in the rivalry, you know, Maryland being a cross border team, you know, recruiting uh, as much as anything else is is very important. We get a ton of great players from Maryland, absolutely. Um, and um, 
you know, this is a, a quote unquote rivalry that was nothing to speak of until, um, you know, 1993, when we had a break, uh, we stopped playing them when we got into the Big Ten. But before then, uh, we had played them almost every year uh, from 1960 to 1993. Wow, yeah. And... It's a good point. You know, uh, of the whole... That whole time of the rivalry, there were only twice that we didn't win that game. Right. Um, We've been playing them since 1943, by the way. One tie, one loss. In 2014, when Maryland joined the Big Ten, so seven years, yep. uh, we now have two losses right. in that seven-year span. Yep. So, you know, a talented team. You know, two years ago, they embarrassed us in Beaver Stadium, a 35-14. to 14, That's a just, very good point. That was so disgusting. You know, no fans in the stadium. You know, it was in the middle of that, um, you know, Penn State skid. In fact, this is kind of what this really sent it off the This is the most embarrassing mark on that skid. This is the brownest so, sure. stain in that skid mark. Because <laughs> it's like, it's and, like that uh, really solidified, the Maryland loss in 2020 really solidified that, wow, we have we have derailed completely. And we didn't put up Yeah, the fight. other loss was, do you remember when the other loss was in the, in the span? When? Yeah, what was the other year of these seven years since they've been in the Big Ten? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2014, Franklin's first year at Penn State. Um, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and and that's that was a that <laughs> was a very bad look then. And it's funny because, dude, he used to coach at Maryland. Franklin used to coach at Maryland. That's another interesting angle. Yeah, Were he, he was Loxley on the staff at the same time. No, no, I don't. I mean. I, Actually, that's a good point. I don't know. Um, I know yeah. him and Bill O'Brien were on the staff together at Maryland, um, and I, I think James, I think James Franklin was the offensive coordinator for them at one point. He um, was, and he was a head coach in waiting. That's right. And then it all kind of fell apart. Um, yeah, when Ralph Friedgen got fired, um, and they said, "Actually, no, you're not the head coach in waiting," and that's when he went to Vanderbilt. Yeah. But um, yeah, so interesting history there with Franklin. I, you know, so no, no, he was. Th- you know, think about it. Yeah, if you're they, right. okay, If sorry, they win three times in eight years, like all of a sudden it feels like you know this is a game we need to worry about more often than not. Yeah. You know, this is it's not this is definitely for free- sure. Creeping up from from you know Indiana, it's creeping up from Rutgers. It's more in that like Purdue, watch out, or the uh, you know um, yeah, maybe not quite Michigan State yet, but it's getting closer to that Michigan State range of like this is a team that like if we're not careful, they can be peers to us, and we don't want that out of Maryland. We don't want them getting right, you know, their in-state talent sticking. A, home and playing for the state school. We don't want our talent to say, you know what, actually, um, I'd rather be in College Park than State College. Yeah. Uh, you know, because they haven't got a chance to make a difference there. So um, I think it's beyond just what it means for the season for Penn State, which I think is first and foremost. But you, you also just need to shut the door on, you know, a little brother feeling like they can match up to, you know, the, the power, the national powerhouse that Penn State has always been in football. Yeah. Um, I, by the way, real quick, I did pull it up here. Um, you know, uh, Franklin was the uh, assistant head coach, OC, quarterback coach from 2008 to 2010 for his second stint at Maryland, by the way. His first stint is when him and Bill O'Brien overlapsed in 2000 to 2004. But that second stint is when he came close to, to potentially being on the same 
staff um, with Mike Loxley, but ultimately um, he wasn't. Actually, uh, Mike Loxley was the interim head coach um, uh, in 2015 and was the OC and quarterback coach in 2012 to 2015. However, the three of them did overlap on that 2000 to 2002 team at Maryland where Mike Loxley was a running back coach and the running game coordinator. Uh-oh, so they did coach on the same Maryland yeah, but, team. But way oh, back, 20, 22 year, 20 to 22 years ago. <laughs> the three yeah, of them. Still Bill like, O'Brien, you know, James I mean, Franklin, that's when, and, and Loxley. They're probably coming up as coaches at that time, right? You know, so like yeah. you remember those guys. You yeah, remember... I mean, yeah. Who you cut your oh, teeth sure, with. Oh, sure, sure. Absolutely. Fascinating. Yeah, they were they were all yeah, absolutely. They they cut their teeth as as uh higher level assistants for the first time as as opposed to just like, you know, lower level position coaches. Analysts or whatever. Yeah. Well yeah. lower level position um, coaches well, at so, schools. So, you know, beyond just like the implications, beyond just the, you know, let's not turn this into a rivalry thing. I mean, part of why we're talking about this is because they do have players. You know, Mike Loxley is a good coach, first of all, you know, um, but they have players and, you know, first and foremost is Talia Tagovailoa. Now, he had a bad game, as you said, uh, against Wisconsin. You got to say a big part of that is because they were playing in that same terrible conditions that half the Big Ten was playing in. They were up in Madison. Um, You know, they they just couldn't throw the ball past 10 yards, according to, you know, one of the write-ups of the game. Um, Before that game, Tagovailoa had 72.5% passing completion rate. Uh, yeah. That, that's that's unheard of in Penn State. In the nation. <laughs> yeah. He's a good quarterback, man. He's just a good quarterback. He now, had a bad day, he's got two thousand. Sure. He's He's got 2,078 passing yards on the season. By the way, just a shade over Sean Clifford. Um, he's got 14 touchdowns, um, and he's only got three interceptions. So he protects the ball. He completes his passes. Um, the only thing I would say that's a you know kind of an interesting little tidbit: he's been sacked fourteen times on the year. Ooh, that bodes well for a Manny Diaz hometown crowd I defense. Think so, I think so. Yeah. So that means, um, that, that means that means that one of a couple things. It means either the offensive line isn't holding their blocks long enough, uh, and they're getting over you know overpowered, or two. Um, Talia is hanging on to the ball too long, looking for you know downfield plays, and then is not capable of escaping pressure well enough, or a combination of yeah, both. Yeah, so I, I, my my sense is that he is a mobile passer as well. Not that he's necessarily going to get a ton of rushing yards, but that he is, um, you know, he has escapability, and and so it may be the sort of thing where we need to be disciplined and not just come, well, you know, I mean, with free rushers, but like uh, well, keep him at, in the pocket and then. You know, come look with at late Indiana. Breakthrough look at what Indiana kind of did with Tuttle. Tuttle was able to escape quite a bit rushing the ball on us, and that's what you know worked for them in the first quarter a lot, uh, and some in the end of the second. And even dating back to Auburn, you know th- those guys were getting flushed. Those quarterbacks were getting flushed, and get they were picking up big time third and longs on their feet uh, that gashed our defense. So, so we definitely like that's a. It hasn't like broken our back. Obviously, Michigan didn't have to do that. Obviously, Ohio State didn't have to do that. But it is something that that could hurt us, um, you know, in, in this game if Talia decides that he, you know, we're not spying him and he wants to run the ball. It's certainly possible. Yeah. Now, whether this is scheme or whether it's just Talia um, being good at picking picking guys out, um, one of the things that's interesting is that. Um, he spreads the ball around a lot. Mm-hmm. They've got four receivers over 300 yards 
and none of them above 400 yards. Mm, so, um, you know, and, and they've got two good receiving tight ends as well. Um, one of whom is in that 300 yard range. Um, another whom is just, um, under one, excuse me, just under 200 yards. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to put some stress on our defensive backfield. I know, fortunately, you know, we've got a defensive backfield where everyone across the board can cover well. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be, it's going to be incumbent upon our secondary to, to to avoid having some guy wide open all the time. And if, if, you know, you give him some time back there and he can find the open receiver, it's possible they could pick us apart a little bit back there. Unlike any team has done with us up to this point in the season, because he's just, you know, short of CJ Stroud, he's just the best quarterback um, that we're going to see all year. And, um, you know, CJ Stroud didn't really hurt us until he and Harrison Wallace, the third got, got going and and then that was backbreaking. So so maybe we're going to be okay. Maybe we're going to be able to um you know keep them from really hurting us. But they have the talent at quarterback to to really have some success uh in the passing game if the weather permits it. Um one thing I think our defense needs to watch out for is, yeah, Talia might not be, uh, quote unquote, a major rushing threat for like, you know, the entire game and gaining like 100 plus yards or something like that. But where I think he is going to be dangerous is in the red zone. He has uh, three rushing touchdowns. Um, so, so that, that's a, an extra wrinkle that we might need to look out for is, you know, a play action or bootleg kind of thing where, um, you know, he hangs onto the ball and, uh, uh, gashes us, you know, up the middle on a QB draw or something like that. So, so it, it'll be interesting, but, but have we touched on their, their, uh, freshman running back at all? No, and he's um he's he's a phenom, man. He's got, he's got right. talent. Um, right. guy named Roman Hemby. Um, he's on track for a thousand yards. You know, he's averaging six point two yards a carry. He has a long of seventy five yards, so he can break the long one. Um, you know, he's someone. And I would say, if you look on the stat sheet, Maryland's passing numbers and rushing numbers are almost a mirror image of Penn State's. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know how their offense looks compared to ours, but in terms of the balance, um, it, you're going to see a lot of similar things. They're going to want to establish the run and allow the run to open up the pass. And uh, if we allow the run game to get going, it, it could be a long day passing. Yeah. Likewise, if we let their passing game start beating us, you know, we, we might loosen up in the front seven and their run game gets going and they break some long runs like Michigan did. So um, I think there's going to be some challenge for us defensively. We're going to have to play one of our better games of the year. Um, and unlike with Minnesota and Indiana, who we were facing backup quarterbacks, <laughs> we have a very experienced, talented yeah. quarterback in Talia yeah. Tagovailoa that that is used to running this offense, and who came specifically to play for Mike Loxley. Yeah, and to clarify, by the way, I called him a freshman. Um, he's actually a sophomore with freshman eligibility, thanks to uh, I guess COVID. Maybe he was a re he was a redshirt freshman last year and played, and now he's a redshirt sophomore with freshman eligibility, which is crazy. Um, so because he actually played some last year, um, so. 
So he's so he's he's experienced. He's a, he's this is in his first year in the program. This is actually his third year in the program. So he's he's not totally you know uh, green. And he has 750 yards rushing on the season, and he's averaging more yards per carry than both of our our, our running backs, and has seven seven touchdowns and a, with a long of 75. So he can break a he can break a long one, and on top of that, he has 240 yards receiving with an extra touchdown to go, um, averaging 9.2 yards per catch. So he's kind of a do it all back. That you know, it sounds like he can bail Talia out when we're you know you know, swarming the backfield, uh, looking for tackles for loss and looking for um, sacks. So so I think it's a, a, a very dynamic backfield that we need to be uh, on the lookout for and certainly play smart, you know, sound, um, contained football against this this team here. Yeah, I mean, again, if you, if you look some of the at some of the statistical comparisons, they're, they're very close to where Penn State is they're in the sort of the same sort of range of teams on most factors. Um, Penn State is slightly better, um, you know, sort of across the board, but only just barely, you right, know. Right. And um, the only area where like strength and weakness kind of match up is on in the passing game. And I know we were just talking about Talia being really good, but I mean, they're only 44th in passing yards on the season. And I think that some of that has to do with their balance. Whereas we still are, are coming in as number six in the nation in pass efficiency defense. That's, that's and I good think to, that's that, good to know. That's an, a, that's a, an important stat for our defense that actually does give up yards, but the efficiency aspect of it, um, I think is what it holds more weight. I think that's going to be the difference maker in the game is will our past defense, you know, make it hard for Talia to change the game in with his arm, you know? And meanwhile, can we, can we hold them from breaking the game open in the run game? Can we can we shut down the run enough so that um, you know we we don't have to you know stack the box and throw all our chips in and open up the passing game because you know with Talia's efficiency uh, throwing the ball, mm-hmm. um, it could be a long day if if we if we give him you know the time that he needs back there. Um, you know, like I said um, going into it, and I can't remember if it was before we pressed record or since then. Um, you know, Maryland is a dangerous team. They're a good team. They they have had a good season. They played Michigan to with within one score. You know, they played Michigan a lot better than we did. So it's possible they they could really play us tough. All that said, I think that across the board, Penn State has better talent. I think Penn State has more to play for. I think Penn State has. Um, you know, kind of the intangibles that tilt the game in Penn State's favor. That's if we play like we played against Minnesota and like we played against Indiana. Um, but, you know, if we play with some lapses, if we come out kind of you know, without a lot of energy or focus, um, Maryland's the kind of team that's built to make you pay. Yeah. And, I, you know, I guess I'm, 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 hopeful that Penn State plays like they played last week, but I'm I'm cautious in having seen some of those lapses, you know, earlier in the season that 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 this could be, I don't want to call it a trap game because there's nothing trappy about it, but it, it's a game where a subpar performance could could get you that loss against an inferior team 
uh, albeit just a, a slightly inferior team. Yeah. What I do think you think that's, in, that's right for the that's result right this weekend, bro? Um, well, <laughs> I'm what I'm looking for is for Penn State to come back home to Beaver Stadium and I want to see them play a physical brand of football. The same I'd like to see them play the same physical brand of football on defense that they played against Ohio State for three and a half quarters. Um, and and I want to see the same brand of physical running from these dynamic freshman running backs that we saw uh, you know, on Saturday against Indiana because Katron Allen, dude, I don't know how many tackles he broke, but he was getting a lot of yards after contact. And I think I saw a statistic somewhere that was uh, of the 100 and uh, what they combined for. They combined for 161 yards rushing against Indiana. Well, 101 of those yards came Something like after that, yeah. contact, according to Pro Football Focus. So, I, I mean... Wow. Talk talk about like setting a tone, you know that that yeah. kind of, that brand of of physical running for for these running backs can set the tone for the game against a Maryland defense that probably isn't up to the task of of me- measuring up, uh, you know, in their run defense versus our run offense. So um, I'll be we'll, looking. We'll see. You know, they're they're ranked fifty seventh in rush defense. Right. We're ranked fifty second in rush offense 57 versus 52 we have a slight edge you know um i don't think that's indicative i don't think our our rushing offense rank is indicative of what these running backs can offer up um you know in in this matchup um so i i i i i throw that statistic out for this. I'm just talking about the way these kids run the ball. Yeah, um, fair enough. And, and the fair way that, that our offensive line is starting to come together here. Even even with some injuries along the line, they looked good against an inferior defense, you know? So... Um, yeah. As far as what I what I, you know, and as good as that running game has looked, I need to see um, the passing game I need to see that that we, you know, where did Parker Washington go this past weekend? Um, you know, he, for a guy he that was, was having dom- a vacation, he's he's having an off a down week. You know, I, I, he's having, I think, to he, me, he did so much the week to me. Before. That's game plan. <laughs> to me, that's game plan because he's yeah. obviously a difference maker, and we have been searching for a difference maker in the passing game. And I know the the tight ends got involved um, a little bit here, but as far as the game plan goes, you know, I, I want to see a play action um, game plan based off of these two freshman running backs that really just find me find me the mismatches. In, in the yeah. in the passing game with with a dominant running game, please find me the mismatches and scheme. You know our playmakers open scheme. Um, you know I don't want to see Clifford having to throw to the to the to the backs of the other team to get the ball to Brenton Strange. I don't want to see Mitchell Tinsley having to make you know horizontal you know gravity defying catches um, to to make pass you know, first downs. I don't want to see Parker Washington uh, only catch a couple of balls. I, I want to see a game plan for getting the the passing game uh, into the plan, hands of our playmakers for some chunk plays, you know. Um, so the combination of that and, and our, you know, a, a swarming physical defensive effort that builds on last week. That's what I want to see against, you know, our last, um, you know, home opponent. Uh, I'm sorry, not our last home opponent, but our last home opponent that has a respectable record, by the way. Um, 
before we kind of, you know, go into these last two games after Maryland. Um, and I'm going to say we keep the ball rolling. Um, you know, I think we're between a 10 and a half to 12 point favorite. Um, I, I like for Penn state to win this game, um, by double digits. Um, but I think we're going to win by more than 20 points. So I'm going to wow. say, yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think we'll kind of avalanche kind of in the second and third quarter again. That's kind of how I see things going. It's, it's kind of the consistency this team has proven. <laughs> um, so, okay, my, I, th- and I think the defense will hold, um, Maryland to two touchdowns. Um, I think we'll see, um, a couple of interceptions by our, our defensive backfield, um, and I think we'll hold their their running back to under 100 yards for sure. So, what I'm kind of skirting around the bush <laughs> as as far as the score prediction goes, um, I predict Singleton also to get over 100 yards this week, um, along with my score prediction of 41 to. 17. Well, that would be a really, really great result. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I think we're capable of it. I do. Um, you know, Maryland is right now scoring 31 points a game. Um, you know, so if, if we're holding them under their average, uh, it's a great showing by the Penn State defense. You know, other than the Michigan game and the Purdue game, uh, I guess the Ohio State game, they got things got away from us at the end. But like our, our defense has shown that they can hold potent offenses um, out of the end zone, and it'd be nice if if we saw that again. I I do feel like it's possible, you know, that we we got a little ahead of ourselves defensively um, against Indiana, and we may be underestimating Maryland. Um, you know. I, I think Maryland's going to score some points. I, I think we'll hold them under their season average, but I think they're going to score points, and that means we're going to need to score points. Um, I think we can. Do you know, by the way, do you know what our season average uh, for point total is right now? Per game? Yeah. Are we at, at, at that like 33, 34 point per game mark? But that's it. That's exactly right. We're at thirty four point six points per game right now. We're back to the Ricky which, Ronnie. We're yeah, back to the Ricky Ronnie years. <laughs> yeah, and we got three three opponents where uh, you know theoretically we should be able to put up some points. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know it's like again we were we were kind of pulling our hair out at points as, at different times the season because uh, just feel, felt like things weren't going, but like we're starting slowly starting to put you know points. Onto the board. Is your with regularity? crafting his offense more and more every year? Is that I mean, because because uh, we we scored thirty one on Ohio State, and that was obviously the Michigan game is a blemish, but but I mean, we can we climb into that like you know thirty to forty, almost forty points per game next year after after. Um, I mean, it would be incredible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Go ahead. Northwestern and Michigan were kind of the blemish on on the offense this year yeah, when we just couldn't certainly. get out of neutral, but. Um, yeah, we were putting points on the board even against Ohio State. I think we the offense keeps rolling on the strength of the run game. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say 24 to 45 victory for Penn State. Last 
last thing I'll say about a, a bold, maybe a bold prediction or just a fun prediction is I think Chop Robinson, uh, who has been looking to get ba- bounce back from injury and have a dominant g- game again, um, I think this is a, his former employer, so to speak. Uh, he's going to show out against Maryland and and get after Talia and and disrupt and and cause some havoc, maybe force a turnover, whether it's a, a bad pass or a, a strip sack or something like that. I think we're going to see some chop Robinson in the um, statistic column uh, at the end of the day that, that, that he'll have a really good day on the defense. Yeah, I, I, I hope it's um, hey, I'll take a victory one way or another. Um, I hope the um, dominance of this team keeps rolling. I think if we if we put a good showing uh, against Maryland, that that'll say something to the fans. It'll say something to the you know the the wider college football world. Um, but just getting the W would be great. Um, I'm hoping Clifford has a little bit of a bounce back game. It is expected to be uh, somewhat windy uh, again, not quite like it was this past weekend, but it might hamper the throwing. So, you know, I think, again, if Penn State can lean on its ground game and we can stop theirs, that, that's going to be my key to the game. I don't have a bold prediction for you, but we gotta we got to take care of shutting down their run and we got to make sure we get our run game rolling yeah. like we have. Um, I'd love to see... I'd love to see a game where both backs get over 100 yards. I don't know if that this is the game, but I'd I'd love to see that. That, that would, would be, be fun. great. That would be great. Um, I'd love to see Clifford have a game without an interception, or a game without an errant pass. <laughs> well, that's never going to happen. But um, anyway, hey, yeah. um, it's a 3:30 game on Fox this week. Uh, see if we can keep the good times rolling. See if we can work our way toward that 10 win season as we uh, play the Maryland Terrapins at Beaver Stadium. That'll do it for us on the podcast today. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, keep those mailbag entries coming. Uh, send an email to blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. Uh, and until next week, bro, it always starts with I love you. And it ends with me interrupting you and starting a whole new subject and bleeding into another 10 minutes of us speaking. I mean, just to say that, I love you too. <laughs> it always starts with I love you. It I just I live for this wow. reaction from you. Just I see your yeah. face when it's it was it's going deflated. so well. And Isn't I, that predictable? <laughs> That's Rick Gathman in me. What are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. We are <laughs> Penn State. <laughs> 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 Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. Am I still in? I hear you. I I, I just don't see you. Hold on. What is happening? Oh. Let's just see, Hello. Let's just see how it works. <laughs> Gotta love the the full unkempt beard with no shirt. It's I roll right it's out of bed. Glorious. For these. I roll right out of bed for these. <laughs> All right. Here we go.